Tuesday, 12th of April, 2022. But God spoke in this way, that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land, and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them four hundred years. Acts 7 verse 6. The previous verse spoke of God giving Abraham no inheritance, despite the Lord promising him the land for a possession, even to his descendants after him. With that noted, words that are often completely misunderstood are presented by Stephen, beginning with, but God spoke in this way. This is obviously referring to something already recorded in scripture that must be cited in order to confirm what Stephen is saying. For now, Stephen continues with his words, saying that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land. This is still referring to Abraham, his descendants, specifically to be understood as the line of promise, would dwell in a foreign land. That this is specifically understood to be the line of promise, and not just any of his descendants, is based on what is said in the previous verse with the words, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. It refers to the inheritance, and only those who are of the line of promise were given the inheritance. Ishmael was sent away from the inheritance in Genesis 21. Likewise, it says this of Abraham's other children in Genesis 25. And Abraham gave all that he had to Isaac, but Abraham gave gifts to the sons of the concubines which Abraham had. And while he was still living, he sent them eastward, away from Isaac his son, to the country of the east. Genesis 25 verses 5 and 6. As the other descendants have been removed from the inheritance, it is seen that this is only speaking of the chosen line, meaning through Isaac and then Jacob. Of this line, it next says, and that they would bring them into bondage and oppress them. Because of these words, it is often assumed that this is only speaking of the time in Egypt. It is an incorrect assumption. The descendants of Abraham will be brought into bondage and oppression. But even in Egypt, that was not always the case. The first years of their stay in Egypt were under Joseph. Thus the words bondage and oppress are not being used collectively, as if both were occurring at the same time, and or all of the time. They are words that indicate the state of things at any given time. To further define this, Stephen finishes the verse with the words 400 years. It is a set time frame that is then assumed, incorrectly, as referring only to the time in Egypt. For example, Mayer's New Testament commentary not only erroneously evaluates this verse, but he ascribes error to Paul in Galatians 3.17 concerning his words. Rather, it is Mayer who is incorrect. He says, quote, Tetracousia means 400. Here, as in an oracle, the duration is given, as also at Genesis 1, in round numbers. But in Exodus 12.40, this period of Egyptian sojourning and bondage is historically specified exactly as 430 years. In Galatians 3.17, Paul has inappropriately referred the chronological statement of Genesis 12.40 
to the space of time from the promise made to Abraham down to the giving of the law, end quote. Mayer is completely wrong in this, and Paul's note in Galatians 3.17 is exact. This is not solely referring to the period of Egyptian sojourning and bondage. Rather, it is referring to dwelling in Canaan and in Egypt. The 400 years that Stephen is referring to are spoken of by the Lord in Genesis 15. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, Know certainly that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, and they will serve them, and they will afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they serve I will judge. Afterward they shall come out with great possessions. Genesis 15, 12-14 This is clearly referring to both Canaan and Egypt. By referring to the Acts 7-4 commentary, Biblical Timeline of the World, this can be seen. Isaac was born in 2109, Anno Mundi. Israel departed Egypt in 2514, Anno Mundi. Understanding these, one can then note that Genesis 21, 8-10 is the beginning of the persecution by other nations. So the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. And Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, scoffing. Therefore she said to Abraham, Cast out this woman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. Even though this was only two young boys, it is one nation oppressing another. A child is normally weaned between two and four years old. And so one can see that the time frame indicated by Stephen is right at 400 years. 2,514 to 2,109 is approximately a 400-year period, plus or minus a couple of years. This could even be exactly 400 years if Isaac was weaned at the outside of the normal time frame and the other events occurred at the time before or after the middle of the starting and ending years. Thus, the biblical time frame is exacting in what it states. The extra 30 years Paul refers to in Galatians 3.17 is exactingly seen in the biblical timeline of the world where Abraham was called to move to Canaan in 2084 Anno Mundi. Israel departed Egypt in 2514 Anno Mundi. This is exactly 430 years. Paul's words are vindicated by a correct reading of the biblical timeline. Further, to confirm that the words dwell in a foreign land refer to both Canaan and Egypt, Hebrews 11 uses the same word, allotrios, to describe the time Abraham, Isaac and Jacob dwelt in the land of Canaan. By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews 11, 9 and 10 The biblical timeline is exact. The words of scripture, meaning that's given in Genesis, Stephen in Acts, and Paul in Galatians, are all exact and without error. 
it just takes time and study to determine it is so. Life Application In the Mayer's New Testament commentary cited earlier, there are evaluations of the biblical text and of the Greek word specifically. There are adamant stances taken and there are accusations against the accuracy of the Bible being made. And yet, what is stated is completely inaccurate. To trust someone simply because he is trained in Hebrew, Aramaic and or Greek is not smart. Many scholars are trained in any or all of these and they come to completely different conclusions. Sometimes their conclusions are like polar opposites. Likewise, to follow a person simply because he is Jewish is not smart. Just because someone may live in the land of Israel and speak Hebrew, it conveys nothing about his understanding of scripture. Similarly, to follow someone because he has a doctorate in theology, pastors a church, has written extensive commentaries, or so on, is not wise. These are known as source fallacies. To accept someone's opinion on a matter based on their source, knowledge of a language, race or culture, degree and so on, says nothing of his actual knowledge of a subject. In biblical theology, the only thing that matters is if the person is properly analysing the word. And that, for any given passage, Mayer certainly analysed some things properly, and yet he completely botched his analysis cited earlier. The only way for you to know if what he says is correct this time and wrong the next is to... is to... is to know your Bible and to study what is presented. Read the Word. Study it. Think about it and trust no one until you have verified what that person has said. Study to show yourself approved. Lord God Almighty, your word is beautiful. Amen. him your descendants will be strangers in a land they don't own the people there will make them slaves and they will do cruel things to them for 400 years Acts 7 verse 6